0: Well, um, we're in our third part of our hearing series. And uh, we initially started it with a consciousness that God is here. That God's right here. He's with us. Most of us are familiar with the old, uh, the old poem, Footprints in the Sand. Years and years ago, a bunch of people who've been walking with God for a while know the name Sandy Patty. Kind of goes way back or straight. Reaching back there, back when that was considered contemporary Christian music. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it was. And so she had a sweet song based on the poem Footprints in the Sand. And if you don't know, if you're not familiar with it, this guy, the whole story of it, this guy has a dream. And in this dream, he's seeing his life played out in pictures in the sky. And he's seeing these different things take place. And he sees these these moments. And as these moments are walking along, then he's noticing these footprints... In the sand he sees most of the time there's two sets. He gets to the end of his life and he's visiting there with God and he said, You know, um I see that you know that there are the these dual footprints in the sand. And he says, You know, what's all that about? And he said, Well those footprints are you and I walking together. One sets mine and what one sits one sets yours and he's like ah okay, that brings up this next piece. Is Darren? The toughest parts of my life, all of a sudden, there's only one set. There's one set of prints. God, when the times when that was tough and I felt like you left me, it you left me. Why is there only one set? Why were you gone? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. During those times, there's only one set because during that period, I carried you. It was my footprints alone that you saw. We have to have that awareness that God is with us. I love that image, that thing that God is with us all the time, step for step, footprint for footprint. And when we are at our exhausted state, he will carry us. If we don't understand that God's with us all the time, we will be reluctant to move forward from here. We just will. Then last week we talked about the fact that we have to understand where we are. First question that God asks fallen man Adam and Eve have just sinned. It just happens God has not had a conversation with them in this state. He walked with them in the cool of the day, had lots of conversations with them, and the first thing he says is, Adam, where are you? Adam needed to know where he was. It wasn't that God was lost, wasn't playing Marco Polo with him. I can't find you. Adam, Adam, Adam. God knew where he was. Why did he ask that? Because Adam needed to know where he was, and Adam defined himself. He said we I was naked and I was ashamed and I was afraid, so I hid. That was his here. It was became all of humanity's here, and we've been moving forward from that part on now that we understand that God's with us and then we dare to take an honest look of where we're at let the Holy Spirit reveal to us with no condemnation and no weight of pressure on that whatsoever then now we can understand that we get to move forward from here we're here and God wants to get us down the road get us changed move us from glory to glory maybe you're in a good spot God carries you to the next wonderful spot Maybe you're in an ugly spot. God gets you out of there and carries you to a beautiful place. So you got your notes open. Let's look at this. Moving forward from here. Here is where God meets us. I so love that. I love it that we don't have to travel. We don't have to get in a plane and go go to the Holy Land so that we can be with God. God is here. He meets us here. But we must understand that He desires to give us a new here. He wants to transform us. Grace isn't about saying, I love you where you're at, stay there. That's not what grace is about. Grace is about, I love you, I meet you where you are, and I'm gonna be a part of this, and we're gonna move forward, and I'm gonna transform your life. That is the message of grace. is acceptance where you are, and power for life to genuinely be different. That is grace. Let's look at Philippians 1.6. Most of us here have begun this journey. Some of you here may be here just tagging along with somebody. Maybe just checking this whole thing out. We're cool with that. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're atheist. I don't know. We're fine with that. You're welcome here to listen and to, to do that. But most of us here have chosen to be Christ followers. And Philippians 1.6 very much applies to us. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means we're all going to keep growing until Jesus comes back. If we're still breathing oxygen, you should still be growing. There's no such thing as a retired Christian. That you put in your 30 years, you got the little watch, and you're like, I hit my achievement, I'm pretty dang good. By most church standards, you compare me to the average believer, I'm doing pretty good. I can coast. No. We should all be growing. Man, one of my heroes in the faith, Truett Randolph, that went to be with the Lord a little over <clears throat> a year ago, was when he was in his his latter, latter days of his life, all he wanted, all he wanted was to know God more. That's all he wanted. Ah, oh, that's the way we should be. It's just pulling into God that way, with this passion and this desire that isn't easily steered off course, just to be single-focused on what God is doing and embracing what He's doing in our lives. I've shared this story before, but it's been a few years, which gives me as a preacher liberty to share it again. And so and um one of my uh, one of my this is one of my favorite stories because the the message of it so impacted me and um but when I was a senior in high school lived in odessa and uh of course, there's rodeos and all that and I went I went to the rodeos went to all that kind of stuff And I, but I didn't have any horses didn't live around any of that stuff I, Only horses I knew were the trips we went to Rio doso when we got that rent a horse thing the little trail ride thing and one horse sticks its nose in the rear of the f- horse in front and you can't do anything They're just gonna follow I mean you could you can stand on its back You can get off get back on you can do whatever those horses aren't gonna do anything So it's not really riding horses, but in my mind I thought because I'd done that a few times I was a little bit of a horseman and I, I could do this I was I, I had some skills so we go out to my my friend uh <coughs> avalos 's place his dad had had a real place he sponsored a Mexican rodeo team and I don't know if you know there's a difference between the between like the from Mexico rodeo teams and the white boy rodeos but they're different, and they have some crazy events. You think it's crazy to get on the back of a bull? These guys get on the back of a horse, get in there with a bull, and grab it by the tail and drag it to its rear. A bull—that's an event in this rodeo. I mean, it's crazy stuff. And so they had horses and all this stuff. So we decided we're going to go riding. We get the horses, blows his dad saddle them up. We get on the horses. Ride them. Now they have these great big old um, Mexican saddles, not the little Western saddle with a little cute little saddle horn. These have like saddle horns on that look like steering wheels. They're big old suckers. And a uh, big old saddle horn. So, and then they had the decorative swords, and it was just awesome. So we ride around in the corral, all's cool. Did all the right stuff. I pull the reins on the horse, the horse stops, do the little stuff to it, it turns, all seems good. So we decide we're going to go down to the land. And we take the horses out of the corral, take them out on the road, and we're just walking them down the road. Well, me and my friend Belos, he's on the big thoroughbred horse, and I'm on this little small uh, quarter horse. That was small for a quarter horse. And he's on Astro, and I'm on Coco. And I already felt a little challenged in my masculinity, having to be put on a little, little tiny clown horse. And um, and so we get out to this a part of the ground that looked like somebody plowed it and it's just all like plowed up and it look and it's just straight for about maybe a quarter mile and uh, down this fence line so it looks like a racetrack I'd never been to a racetrack but that's what it looked like all plowed up nice dirt clods so like man we're gonna we're gonna race these horses so we get them there at the little starting line kick those horses in the gut and those horses take off and we're going and we're getting going pretty fast and we get down to the end and have a good time go down there pull out the swords whack some mesquite have a great time put the swords away said okay now we're going to go back to the house turn the horses around and head them back straight to the house and i'll get there the of the course astro the big horse beat my horse and i didn't like that so we're going to race back home again Have the horses lined up, headed back to the house. Man, I'll just mm, kick that horse and just give it all it's got. Man, those horses take off. And then they take off some more. And then these horses had a gear I didn't know horses had. And then on on the thing, the first time we're doing and the horses are doing this little thing. I mean, they're going. This time we're going and it's like full out run. It's like whoosh, and the horse's feet are together, and there's times that the whole horse is in the air at one time. I mean, there's nothing touching the ground. It's just whoosh, and these horses are just killing it. I mean, they're just whoosh, and they're going faster, and my horse is edging ahead, and then the astros going forward, and then we start, like, smashing into each other. So now we're playing a little bit of a little derby as long as we're crash-up derby. And we're going along, and it just kept getting faster and faster, way faster than I'd ever gone on an animal. It was insane. And, of course, if somebody actually does barrels or something, it probably looks sad. But um, for me, it was screaming fast. And at the end, where we started, and I didn't notice that there was this telephone pole right in the middle. And it had the little metal guy wire to the side. Well, I'm on the non guy wire side. My buddy Jeff on Astro is on the guy wire side. So we're going along, and this time we're done. We're getting to the end. It's time to stop. So we begin to apply the brakes. You know, you just pull back. And nothing happens. Horse is still just hitting it, he's pulling his. Horses are still just hitting it. So pretty soon, we're just pulling hard. I've always been stronger on my right hand than my left, and I'm pulling, and pretty soon, my horse's head is turned sideways, and he is still going. And he's like, oh. and he is hitting it. And this other horse, Astro, has his head bent up against his chest. And he's just still just hitting it, not stopping, not slowing down. It was just scary. So we get close to the end, and I'm like, this horse is not stupid. It's not going to wreck itself. But if it's looking sideways, bad things are going to happen. So I just threw the reins up, and I just let go. And I grabbed that big old steering wheel, and I just held on. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there and that horse is just doing whatever it wants to do it's just going on. it's just it's going to ru- run and i'm going to be all right and uh so i as uh we go past the telephone pole i go to the non-guy wire side all's cool my buddy his horse goes full blast under the guy wire this side horse and rider the other side just a horse jeff was gone and was just he was gone And, uh, of course, in my mind, I'm still just looking for it. I didn't turn back, but in my mind, he's dead. He's he's, he's headless. He's, like, (laughs) impaled on something. It was just, it was gory. It was bad in my mind. And at about another, just a few, I don't know, 50 yards or so further down, then there was those typical West Texas three-wire mesquite, fences that ran and I'm like okay I've seen these people you know where they jump the fences this horse is going full out there's no way this horse is going to stop he's just going to jump this fence and he's just going to go and I knew enough that you're supposed to like stand up in the stirrups so I stand up and I get ready holding on that steering wheel and that horse gets right up to that fence and boom, just boom, stops and physics plays out. Russ is a physics teacher. I'm standing up, and I go, whoom And I'm laying on the neck of this horse. He's stopped. I'm just happy. Things, I'm about to be able to get off. Except so he does this high ho silver thing. Whoo. Goes next to the fence, throws me back, back, and then takes off running again. The problem was is I wasn't in my stirrups anymore. And I had both feet on one side of the horse. Seriously, on the side. And he goes about, takes about two steps, and I'm standing, and he's doing this. It looked like I was an awesome trick rider, is what it looked like. Like, Man, that clerk guy, he said he could ride. He really can. That's no joke. And so he takes a couple of steps. Of course, I bounce out of the deal. I'm just hanging on to the steering wheel. He's just still running, dragging my feet, Mr. Abelos. Did not plan on us doing that. So the whole saddle starts to spin. It's coming down, down, down. I'm dragging more and more and more. I was not much of a man of prayer at that point in my life. But I prayed. It's like, Lord, do not let this horse step on me. And I let go. He runs on. And now just go skidding along the caliche. And um, I'm all scratched up and messed up. And I lay there for a second. And then I remember Jeff. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I just call out to him, he doesn't say anything. I just call out, he doesn't say anything. I get up and I start, start start taking steps and I just see him, he just lay in there. And I'm walking up and I'm just so freaked out about what I'm gonna see. And then finally he goes, Oh and he sets up and he's athlete enough that he knew to roll with. and so when he just let go and it went to hit him, he just rolled backwards. He hid, he was all bummed up, he had a big old red thing across his chest, but nobody died, nobody was critically wounded, and we actually go back. So now we're thinking these horses, we don't know where these horses are. They just took off running. So now we're trying to figure out where to tell Mr. how to tell Mr. Abelos we lost his horses. So the first horse comes back with no rider. Then the next horse comes back with no rider. As we walk up and we go up to the we're going to the back side of the house. And there is Coco with his head and a bucket of oats. And there's Astro with his head and a bucket of oats. And no one had ever told us the whole thing that you never run a horse towards home. Especially a hungry horse towards home. You just don't do it. They're just not going to hit the brakes. They're just going to go. And uh, that's what we saw. And the thing is, is that concept of moving forward. That resolve of the Holy Spirit has to be there like the horses, not the morons on the backs of the horses, the horses. That it doesn't matter what was on your back, what you're trying to steer you to the left, what trying to steer you to the right, was trying to slow you down in life. Those horses had one thing on their mind, which was moving forward, getting home, getting what was they knew was promised to them when they arrived there. Folks, that has to be what the Holy Spirit... We allow the Holy Spirit to bring that kind of excitement and resolve. All those horses we're seeing was oats, oats, oats. They didn't even care that we were yanking their head to the side. They didn't even care about any of that other stuff. They were just going. Eventually, they, we fell off. We were gone. And they were able to get to their location easier. As God is moving us forward, that's why He, he tells us, don't grow weary in well-doing. Things are, things are moving forward. God's doing things in your life. Allow Him to continue that on. See, to follow Jesus means that He will lead us forward. He's the one that's going to do it. From where we are right now. See, our father Abraham, the father of our faith, according to Romans 3 and 4, He had this. He played this out for us. Let's look at Genesis 12, 1 through 4. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country... Your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go. You are secure. You're good. You're taken care of. All's clicking. You have your father's household. You're, you're provided for. You have your legacy. You have an inheritance coming to you from your death. You have all of this, and I want you to get up and I want you to leave it. And I want you to go to where I'm going to show you. What? I don't. To what? to where I'm going to show you. Get up with no destination. As we were traveling in uh, 08, that was the piece of our story that was hardest to share, but that was the piece of the story that every pastor that I interviewed, this is the first thing they asked me. So, you know, I, this just cool that you're doing this. You know, Where, where, where do you feel like God's going to have you minister? I don't know. What? They're in a city on your heart. There's not... God doesn't have something... No. My assignment for six months to a year is to do this. As we travel around and visit churches and allow God to stir... That's our current assignment. And He will show us. And He did. And that was the most unnerving thing. That's the, that's the peace most people have a problem with. It's one thing to say, I'm going to go from point A to point B. But it's another thing to say, God just says, get out of point A. And I'm going to show you point B. There are times that that's the case. So many times we want the full plan before we'll take a step. And so many times God says take a step and I'll show you the plan. Not that we're to be hasty. Not that we're to do those things. But God will show us to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you i will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you so abram abram as well <clears throat> went as the lord had told him and lot went with him abram was 75 years old when he set out from haran 75 75 and what did he go on he went on the word of the lord and the promises That he was going to make his name great. He was going to turn him into a nation. That all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through him. He went on those promises. He went on the promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In Christ we get the yes answer to the promises of God. What's our responsibility? To say amen. Which means, so be it. We think amen is the little cute thing we say to close a prayer. What we're saying, if you don't realize that, is so be it. We've prayed it, and said, like, Lord, let it be. So be it. Let it be exactly what we've prayed. That's what amen is. Let, let us say, God said the promises. They're yes because we're in Christ, and we say, so be it, Lord. Uh, we want those manifested in our lives. So if we are got to know the promises, then we're going to have to hear those promises. So guess what? You know I love the little cheesy pun stuff. I love playing off of things. And hearing requires hearing. Hearing, moving forward from here, requires hearing. Abram moved because he heard God. You're only going to see real change when you feel like the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart. That is my prayer here. My prayer here is not so much that you hear Brandon Clark. My prayer is that you hear the Holy Spirit, and I hope to be a help in that. I hope that what God speaks through my vocal cords and the plan of the, the, the for the message, the, the Holy Spirit speaks clearly to you because that's what's going to change things. We can go out and we can gain a bunch of head knowledge on a lot of different things. But what changes things is when we have that revelation alive in our hearts. It changes everything. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is why we encourage you so much to spend time in God's word. That's why as a church, we're about to read where it's just started reading through the Bible again. This is our fifth time. No, starting our sixth time through the Bible together. And guess what? That's just going to be part of who we are. We're just reading through it together. Why? Because as you read it, it'll speak to you. And I believe it so much that that's why I empower y'all out there to write the blogs. God's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. Go ahead and write it down and share it with the rest of the church, which is what happens on our website and our Facebook page every day. As we're reading through and God is speaking to you. That's what it is. We have to be willing to hear God. Proverbs 19.27 says, Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. As soon as you stonewall it and you quit listening to instruction, things are going to get ugly for you. All of a sudden, things that just seemed like, yeah, I don't have any problem with this. All of a sudden, you're going to begin to... Things that God's... You always didn't ever have a problem with before. You're going to start having an issue with. All of a sudden, man, because you're pulling away and not allowing God's instruction to come into your life, which is our... Next point, that you have to be willing to hear instruction. I really believe that in our culture, we are, we are having an, an epidemic of this, this lost art of being correctable. There's just an epidemic of it. That just people aren't willing to hear correction. They're not willing to be taught. I was talking to somebody earlier this week that had had a a business that employed a lot of teens and just talking about how he had to learn how to talk and give instruction to teens because they were just so fragile and weak that you couldn't just say, hey, you did that wrong. This needs to be done this way. And they'll go, okay, and fix it. It like crushes them. Like breaks their hearts. They can't take it. Like you've rejected me. No. I rejected the outcome of that process that you did erroneously. I've not rejected you. I love you. You're still here. But we got to have some correction. Our society is gravitating away from being easily correctable. We bow up against any little thing. Against any little thing. We have to be willing to be correctable. I prayed a prayer years and years ago that, I would, that God would always keep me on a short leash. That God would just always speak to me and don't let me get far off. I'd see other people and it seemed like, man, that their just lives would just go way far before there was correction brought. And way far, which as I got more mature... I began to see that the Holy Spirit is correcting all the time. It just got ugly before they responded to it. And I realized what my prayer was wasn't asking God to do something he wasn't already doing for me. My prayer was that I would be a person who would respond quickly. That it just be the Holy Spirit would just begin to talk to me. Now the horses I just shared about were a pathetic example of this. But I've heard of horses that are well trained... That they don't even need the bit anymore. That they, that they, what's called raining well, I believe. I may be botching this. But basically, you can just sit there and you just move the reins. And they just feel the little rain on their neck. They're just leather touching them. And they just turn. They're not being yanked to the side. They're not having to have pain applied to their mouth. They're just, the, the person on their back says, I want to go this way. And they just go this way. And I want to go this way, and they just go this way. And they just pull back a little bit, and it just, ooh, they stop. You're not having to rip their jaw out to get them to quit. They just respond. That's the way you and I, as Christ followers, should be. They were sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, you know what, won't you will not you, won't you be a little more patient with this individual? Hey, won't you be will not you pray for this person? Hey, why don't, you, <clears throat> why don't you be willing to step up and, and this person's having a rough day. will not you go and talk to them? Just take the gentle leadings of the Holy Spirit being easy to reign. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's be those horses. Let's just get rid of that mess. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, or the King James is the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it, and he's going to carry it through to the end. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What's the joy set before him? We've talked about this over and over and over again. It was you and I made right with him. You and I not having to deal with the weight of sin anymore. That was the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And we don't have to. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus did it so we don't have to. And you have completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son did not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't make light of it. It's a sweet thing. And don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines or corrects or directs the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. If you're feeling the correction of the Holy Spirit, if you're seeing Him guiding you, reminding you, bringing this Word up to you, these different things, then I tell you what, He's getting, asking you to do things you wouldn't do on your own. Then you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Don't get frustrated that you haven't arrived somewhere yet. If you're in that spot where you still, the Holy Spirit is guiding you, you're in a good spot. You're moving forward. That's it. That's all that's needed. Just keep that up. Stay in that place. I love Hebrews twelve eleven the message translation, at the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later on, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. We want to know God better, and we want to trust Him more. And if that's going to take place, we're going to have to invite and be ready for the direction and the correction that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into our lives. Romans eight sixteen says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Reminds us, I mean, you're my kids. You're my kids. I love you. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. It's those promises are yes and amen to us. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Him being revealed in us. It's taking place for the creation Oh, awaits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, folks, what's our present sufferings? Our present sufferings are not the outside. It's not the difficulties of life. It's not the all of those different things. We'll think that, but it's really not. Our present sufferings are the tension on the inside of us as we are dealing with, God, I want to go with you And so many times my flesh doesn't. And that creates tension and creates this unpleasant place. But if we are willing to just keep saying, God, I'm going to go with you, guess what? It begins to pull that direction and that tension dissipates and we begin to live the life God's called us to live. Let's stay the course. God's moving us forward from here. It's exciting to be in a place where the Holy Spirit can guide and to lead us. Be expectant that he'll do so every day. See, God loves you so much that he meets you right here. And God loves you so much that he doesn't leave you here. He grows us. He matures us. Our lives should be looking progressively different. Now, some people are just takes off like a rocket and and others it's just steady growth is growth let's not compare ourselves among ourselves that happens the bible says we're not wise let's just let god work in our lives and be expectant of that this all begins it starts with us saying yes to jesus that hearing it goes is starting with that very first hear, which recognizes that I'm in a place that I need God, that my sins have brought a death penalty on me, and that Jesus paid a death penalty that wasn't owed, and I can account my sin to that, and it's legal, and it's just, and it's right that his death covers me, because it's an open account, and my faith says he covered me, and that I place my faith there, and then I'm alive in him. And then he's alive in me. And if that's you, if you want to do that this morning, I don't. We want to create a quiet moment. If that's you, just raise your hand, and we want to pray with you.